We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. LeBron James, a shot in history. NBA championship. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane. You can find me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane. And it is game day. Lakers versus Suns tonight. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, maybe? Going up against LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Lakers. Can the Lakers get their first win of the season in their home opener? That's right. Back to L.A. Can the Lakers get the job done against the Phoenix Suns? We're going to talk a lot about that matchup today on this show. We're also going to talk a bit about what happened with Lakers versus Nuggets. I've got some points we need to get into. I also have some chat questions that we're going to use to pinball through a lot of different topics, most of them reacting to the loss to the Denver Nuggets because they're coming from the post-game show the other night from the Lakers versus Nuggets opener. Um, Also need to get into uh, the latest on the injury front because we've got an update on Jared Vanderbilt, on JHS, what this might mean for the Lakers moving forward. So a lot to get into. Obviously, a solo show today. It's just me, but I've got a ton to talk about. So let's dive right in. I'll tell you what. Yesterday, I woke up. I woke up. Not happy, <laughs> not happy. As I'm sure a lot of you did the same in disbelief that the Lakers had come out there after all the buildup. And it wasn't a no-show performance against the Nuggets, but they certainly didn't live up to the expectations that we had going into that game. And you know what? After having the clarity that a night's sleep brings, I came down to three things, three things that really bothered me about the performance that the Lakers had against the Denver Nuggets. And I want to start there before we get into the injury update and what we talk about the Phoenix Suns and and all of that, because I think these are three things that have to be changed, have to be changed, has to be fixed, fixed before the Lakers take on the Suns. All right, first thing, I listed this as didn't play with a purpose. I didn't feel like the Lakers came out with force, came out with energy. I wouldn't say this was a game that was lacking for energy. I don't think the Lakers just didn't compete. I've seen games plenty of times. I've been doing this for long enough where I've seen nights where you see a team out there on the floor and you go, they, they just don't have it tonight. <laughs> this team, this team's exhausted. This is the third game in four nights or whatever it is. They're on the back-to-back. It's on the road and they are spent, right? And you can just see it. That was not this game. It's not like the Lakers no-showed. But you expect it after a summer of hearing the Nuggets talk, after a summer in which they got swept in the Western Conference Finals and hearing all the chatter about that, you expected the Lakers to come out angry. You expected them to come out as though they had something to prove. Darvin Ham was talking before the game about how they weren't going to treat this as anything more than just one game out of 82. You know, this is just another game. And look, most coaches will take that strategy. You don't want to give your opponent whiteboard material. Oh, this game means a lot to us. We're going to come out here and get these guys. We're going to we're going to get our revenge. You don't want the Nuggets hearing that stuff and firing them up and all that kind of stuff. So Darvin Ham took the more measured approach. I thought that was just coach speak. I think everybody thought that was just coach speak. That's just the coach doing what coaches do. And really... The Lakers are going to be motivated as hell. They're going to want to run through a brick wall to get after the Denver Nuggets. Instead, I thought we saw a team who played like it was, just one game out of 82. That's not going to get it done. 
against the defending champs at home. They're all fired up. Their fans are fired up. And that gets a certain chant lobbed at you. That's the result. Not good. I'm not saying the Lakers have to go out there and play with the turbo button held down every single game, but I expected to see that happen in this one. They didn't really play with a purpose. They went out there and played. They competed. But not with that purpose that I expected. That's something that's got to be that's got to be addressed immediately. That's something that's got to be changed. They've got to get out there and play to win the game. And I didn't see them matching the energy level of the Denver Nuggets. Again, didn't play, not that they played without energy. They didn't bring it the way I expected them to. Uh, too many subpar performances. The other guys, you look at the Denver Nuggets, you look at what they did. They had so many guys step up. So many guys step up and hit shots. I mean, my God, look at this. Aaron Gordon, 7 for 11, 15 points. Nikola Jokic, 12 for 22, 29 points. Jamal Murray, 8 for 13, 21 points. KCP, 8 for four, eight for 12, 20 points. Michael Porter Jr. was the only guy who didn't shoot well in their entire starting lineup, and he was 5 for 13, 2 for 9 from deep. Uh, from 3, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon, 1 for 2. Jokic, 3 for 5. Murray, 3 for 5. KCP, 2 for 3. They were red hot shooting the ball. Their starting lineup shot the hell out of the basketball. That, I mean, that's just, that's every starter aside from Michael Porter Jr. Above 50% from the field, above 50% from three. Contrast that with the Lakers. Check this out. The guys, the Lakers are kind of, the Lakers paid all of these guys big money this summer. D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, Gabe Vincent. Combined, 34% from the field, 21% from three. Now, again, not all those guys are starters. Two of them are. But still, though, that's right now, that's probably your core of your role players, right? Of your other guys, of your not LeBron, not AD guys. These are the guys that you would expect in terms of scoring the basketball, shooting the ball. You would expect to play well. And they just, they had, they all had subpar games. Like you could, the Lakers could get a subpar game out of Gabe Vincent. And good performances out of Rui, Austin, and D'Lo and be okay. And be okay. I think there's going to be games, too, where the Lakers could get could have two of those guys have subpar shooting nights. Two of them have good shooting nights and be okay. What you can't have is all four of them. All four of them having poor shooting nights at the same time. Kind of negated Torian Prince going four for six from three and having such a, such a nice game. Really did because you had so many of these guys that... We expected to come in. All right, they know the system. They know where they're going to get their looks from. They shot well in the postseason. At least, at least uh, Austin and uh, and Rui Hachimura did. Gabe wasn't with the Lakers. D'Lo did not shoot well in the Western Conference Finals. But you expected at least a few of them to have solid shooting nights. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. So that's something that again has got to get turned around. You need against the Suns. Let's be honest. You probably need three of these guys to have above average games. Probably need three of them to have above average games. And we'll see because you got none of them. You got none of them having above average games. And look, that's not to say every guy was a complete zero or something on the floor. None of them shot particularly well. Okay. Uh, I think D'Lo was two for five from three. So that's not, maybe you'll take that. That's 40%. But Austin grabbed eight rebounds. Like they all, there were, there were some contributions here, but none of them again lived up to expectations. So we need much better performances from all of those guys and then the last thing that really stood out to me in this game that uh that was frustrating the game script just felt so familiar you know every single time the nuggets needed a big play every time they needed a shot every time the lakers threatened the nuggets would call a timeout and they would execute and hit the shot every time it felt like the lakers were on the cusp they needed a bucket miss 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 again, sub LeBron out when you're within four. <laughs> yeah, Lakers just couldn't get over the hump. And that is a very familiar game script if you watch watch the Western Conference Finals. So all of that, all of that is what I thought really stood out and was really bothersome uh, waking up yesterday morning. I'm sure those things bothered a lot of you guys. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on all of those areas in this game against the Phoenix Suns to see are the Lakers able to get better production out of their role players? And don't get me wrong, guys. I'm We're going to talk plenty about AD. <laughs> don't worry about that. 
Um, I know I didn't address him here, but can they get more out of these other guys? Or do they get out there and play with purpose? Do they play with force? And then can they avoid that game script of falling behind and then trying to catch up, trying to catch up, having a few spurts, but never being able to get over the hump? That's something I'm going to be watching for against Phoenix. Um, let's get into it. Home opener tonight against the Suns, 7 o'clock. Now, this is, well, unfortunately, we've already got some concerns. This is the Lakers updated status report. Cam Reddish is probable dealing with right foot soreness. I thought Cam was one of the guys who played well against the Denver Nuggets relative to expectations. I thought that using him with Jared Vanderbilt out, we're on that in just a second, um, Cam did a, a decent job chasing around Jamal Murray in the minutes that he was out there on the floor. Jalen Huchofino still dealing with a right patella contusion. He's out. And Jared Vanderbilt. Now the Lakers are listing it. Not left, not heel soreness. Left heel bursitis is what they're calling it. He is out. Now, I will tell you this. It, I, it was pretty clear that Jared Vanderbilt would not be playing against the Suns. Why? Well, the Lakers announced after the game against the Denver Nuggets that they would not be practicing on Wednesday. Not a surprise. You got to fly back and, and everything. Um, and given that Vando hasn't played since October 7th, that was the last time we saw him play. My guess is he's probably not running around and jumping and, and doing all that sort of stuff. He probably needs a little bit of time to ramp up. So even if the heel is starting to feel better, I was very skeptical that he was going to be able to go against Phoenix, especially if they can't get him on the practice floor to even see what he looks like at, at this point to get, to get him some reps in a practice situation. Now, after the game against the Suns, Friday, Saturday, the Lakers have before they play the Kings on Sunday. So there's an opportunity. There's a window. They're going to have a practice in there that hasn't been announced, but just the way the schedule goes, I can just about guarantee they're going to have a practice there. So I think Darwin will talk more about Jared Vanderbilt um, before the Lakers take on the Suns. Hopefully we get a little more detail on exactly you know how long he's actually going to be out. But my hope is, that he's ready to at least get back on the floor. And the fact that they've got two days off before the game against the Kings, maybe that gives him a window uh, to get out on the practice floor and then perhaps to get mixed in to the game on Sunday. But not having Vando against the Suns, that's not good. <laughs> you were going to need his defensive capability, especially on Devin Booker. He pestered Devin Booker last season. Now being without him, that's not going to be good. However, the Suns, did not play Bradley Beal in, in their first game against the Warriors, which, by the way, kind of wasted from the Lakers' perspective. The Suns wasted a bad shooting night because they got a win anyway because the Warriors shot even worse. Um, my hope is, and I, you know, from seeing the Suns' side of things and Suns reporters, I've been saying, well, our guys aren't going to shoot this bad every night. I hope the Suns didn't just burn their bad shooting night against the Warriors and still managed to get a win. Um, that could be a bad thing if there's a positive regression game coming for the Suns and their shooting percentages in this one against the Lakers. But nonetheless, no Jared Vanderbilt. That means there's going to be a lot. Cam Reddish is probably going to have to chase around some of these wings. Same thing with Torian Prince. He's going to be tasked with chasing some of these guys. Austin Reeves is going to have to play some defense here. It's tough. Jared Vanderbilt would have been very, very useful in this matchup. But as I was saying, Bradley Beal um, is still listed as now doubtful for the game against the Lakers. So um, he was held out opening night. And my initial thought was, of course, the Suns are, ho are holding him out opening night and they're going to play him against the Lakers. And it sounded like that was indeed their plan. Um, but now he's being listed as doubtful by the Phoenix Suns to actually play in tonight's game against the Lakers. So maybe the Suns will be without Bradley Beal, but this is a good team regardless. And let me tell you, I think in terms of keys for this game, Lakers versus Suns, one of the things that I think the Lakers really need to do is they need their bench to flat out be better than the Suns bench. And that we we saw the Suns a week ago and the Lakers bench was not better. It was not better. The Suns bench, frankly, annihilated the Lakers. Now, context matters. There were some circumstances. The Lakers threw out a bench lineup without a point guard. Gabe Vincent was hurt. D'Lo got pulled. Austin got pulled. LeBron's not out there. So... The Lakers, JHS wasn't even available. So point Cam Reddish. I had somebody joke 
on uh, X with me the other day saying they're going to go as point cam reddish for Halloween because that's how scary it was. And look, that's not even fair to cam, right? That's not even fair to cam reddish to say, Hey, you've never really done this before, but go be an NBA point guard. <laughs> that's not fair. But um, that was the bench lineup that the Lakers were playing against the Suns with. So I'm, I think a lot of this game is going to ride on. Can the Lakers bench be decisively better than the Suns bench? And that's where you're going to need. Rui's going to have to have a much better shooting night. You're going to need Christian Wood, Jackson Hayes, these guys to have some good minutes out there. You're going to need a couple of guys to hit shots for you, especially Gabe Vincent is going to have to knock in some threes for you if you're going to have success against the Phoenix Suns. Because let's face it, that Suns starting lineup, even without Bradley Beal, I think the Lakers, their starters, if they're clicking, they can play them even. They can maybe even have an edge on them. But there's also a chance that Devin Booker's on a heater, that Kevin Durant's on a heater, you know, and there's not much you can do. Josh Koji's hitting threes. Nurkic, AD dominated that battle. He's still a good player. I like Nurkic a lot, but I think AD will be just fine in that one. But Kevin Durant can get going. Booker can get going. Grayson Allen, if he's hitting threes, which he wasn't against the Warriors, I think the Lakers most likely we're looking at a scenario where the Lakers starters and the Suns starters can battle to a draw. I could see that happening. I think they're they're pretty comparable. So then it comes down to whose bench really steps up. And that's where, again, the Lakers have got to get these other guys to really get going, to hit shots at a high percentage, and to execute. Frankly, the Nuggets executed very well. The Lakers, not so well in that game. So can we see the Lakers execute in these big moments? That's going to be critical. Feed off that home crowd and get them going. Um, it's an oversimplification to say Lakers bench versus Suns bench, and that's really all it comes down to. But that's going to be a big part of this. That's going to be a big part of this matchup. And then defensively, can the Lakers keep Booker, keep Kevin Durant from having highly efficient nights? The Warriors did it. Is it going to happen two games in a row? They at least did it against KD. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be a tall task for the Lakers in this one. The NBA schedule makers did the Lakers no favors, but hopefully the Lakers will come out and have much more sharpness in their home arena. All right, let me get into some of these chat questions here because this is going to, uh, for anybody who's new, the way I use these, these super chat questions that come in uh, in our post game is... Yes, I'll get into, I'll address the question itself, but I also use these questions to pinball into a lot of different topics. Um, and so it's a good way to get through things. And in fact, sometimes when I look at stuff, I just build out a show, there's topics that I'm planning on getting into. And most of them, the box gets checked by the chat questions. A lot of times though, there's topics that that I would have missed um, without some of these questions coming in and uh and maybe wouldn't have gotten to so they can take us into some really important topics as well so let's let's get into some of these uh m dread said damn denver really are lakers daddy shame on ad so anthony davis uh, and by the way the chance i hope the lakers don't forget those i hope the lakers don't forget about that that was embarrassing let's face it that was embarrassing for the lakers that was embarrassing for lakers fans that should be a motivator moving forward should be the Nuggets gave the Lakers, though, plenty of ammunition to be motivated for game one. I didn't really see them use it. Hopefully that was enough to really kind of spark them. Again, long way to go. But I'd like to see the Lakers come out with fire against the Suns. Um, shame on ED. Look, Anthony Davis. Um, and the next one, next comment says, look at my comments during the preseason about AD's numbers, meaning nothing because they were all in the first half, second half, vanishing persists. There's going to be a lot of people that are upset with AD. No points in the second half. Did not shoot well. He admitted after the game he missed some easy shots, and he indeed did. He also said Denver's strategies on him changed, which is correct. Denver was doubling AD. He, in some cases, was just making the right read. He had a few times he kicked out to Gabe, kicked out to Rui, and guess what? They were combined 0 for 7 from deep. Maybe we look at AD a little bit different if Rui is at least one for three. Maybe Gabe shoots two for four from three. And so some of those plays we we remember as a positive because at least when AD kicked out of the double, made the trusted the teammate to take the shot, they knocked it down. Instead, they, they didn't. 
But I think it all comes back to this, though. Even if Gabe, even if Rui, whoever else is knocking down those shots, and AD admitted he missed some easy ones, that can't happen. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line with everything with AD. We can look at this and we can say, well, AD's not a great scorer. He's a good scorer. He's not a great scorer, right? We tend to think of superstars as guys that just take over the game, right? They're going to hit the step back three now in today's NBA. They're going to say, give me the ball and get out of the way. We talk about mama mentality. We talk about Kobe. Is there any chance Kobe goes an entire half without scoring in this situation? After Denver was so disrespectful all summer. Is there any chance that happens? Hell no. Of course not. And we can look at AD and we can say, well, AD is just not wired that way. That's not, that's not the type of player he is. And that's true. That's true. AD's brilliance. What makes AD a superstar? 70%, 75% maybe. What he does on defense. What he does there. And then what he can do as the role man and pick and roll. And that can get shut down from time to time. We can get into the weeds of all of that. But the bottom line is if AD is the guy on this team. This, this is it. It's supposed to be. This is AD's team right now. AD's team. That can't happen. That can't happen. And whether you want to say it's because of pick and rolls and the way the teams are defending it, whether you want to say AD's just not that good in terms of how he creates offense, you want to say AD just missed some bunnies and things like that. Yes, all of those things are true. But the result matters here. It's not preseason anymore. The result matters. And Anthony Davis cannot spend a half without scoring the basketball. Without scoring the basketball. And that's where, look, if you're getting doubled, get yourself to the free throw line. I know. And look, the whistle was not great. But take it upon yourself to get to the line, at least. Force the issue if you have to. Your guys aren't hitting. <laughs> Rui's not hitting in this game. Gabe Vincent's not hitting in this game. Demand the ball. Get out of my way. I'm Anthony Davis. I'm going to the rim. I'm either scoring or you're going to foul me. We didn't see that from AD. And the troubling part of it is that that's a symptom that we saw last year. We saw that last year too, and that was a source of frustration. I don't expect AD to go scoreless many halves this year. I don't expect him to miss some of the shots that he missed in the second half this year. You would expect him to finish those. He expects to finish those. He expects better of himself. But results matter. And if AD is going to be that guy, if this is his team, he's got to be able to produce on the offensive end. He can't disappear and go ghost mode. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. The plot said Denver exploited and exposed the biggest problem we have. No physical true center to go at with Jokic. We need to sign one of the bigs on the market or trade for one ASAP. Well, there's not many bigs on the market. Now, Bismack Biombo somehow still out there. Lakers do have an open roster spot. But if there was anybody available that could stop Jokic, that could handle Jokic, that player would already be signed. That player would already be signed. The truth is that guy doesn't exist. That guy doesn't exist. Uh, aside from you know, a handful of players in this league that could maybe bother him a little bit, but he's going to get his. He's going to score. He's going to get assist. He's going to do what he does because he's great. He's a great player. 
He's a superstar. I know there's been a lot of focus over the summer of how do you stop Jokic? What do you do? Who do you get? Who can the Lakers pick up? Who's the big that's going to stop Jokic? There's no there's no Jokic stopper any more than there was a Kobe stopper. Remember when Ruben Patterson said, oh, I'm the Kobe stopper. How did that go? Not well. Not, not well at all. There is no Jokic stopper. There is no player to just throw at Jokic. You've got to get it done in the aggregate across the rest of the team. That big really wasn't out there on the market. Brooke Lopez may be the best option that was there. And he got way more than the Lakers could have paid. So I would look, if that guy was out there, I would say, let go sign player X. There's your solution. But the guy doesn't exist. So you got to find other ways to get it done. Joseph. Said yet again, Trev Dog. Trev Dog. Uh, the second quarter was absolute horse poop emoji. LeBron was hit multiple times. AD was bleeding. Austin Reeves was hacked. Aaron Gordon was hanging on a rim. Refs seriously affected our momentum. So I addressed this on, on X. Um, it was a poorly officiated half. And there were there were calls missed in the second half. But I felt like there were calls missed on both sides in the second half. That's all you can ask for. It was evenly bad, okay, in the second half. There were moments where the Lakers did something, and I went, ooh, they just got away with one on that. The first half, though, three fouls called on the Nuggets. And again, I've talked about this a lot. We talked about this last year. An even number of foul calls does not mean a properly officiated game. It's not if the fouls are 10 to 10, and you go into halftime, that doesn't mean, oh, the refs are doing a great job. They're calling it down the middle. No, because what's happening on the floor matters. One team could be hacking the hell out of another team. They should have 20 fouls against them. And the other team's being whistled for phantom fouls. And they should have four fouls really against them or something. Evenly numbered foul calls doesn't does not mean a properly officiated game. But nonetheless, the Nuggets only having three fouls. If you watch that half, it was absurd ridiculous joseph is correct the lakers were getting hammered a number of times and it didn't get didn't get called um that's also not why they lost right there were a lot of other reasons why they lost but yes it mattered yes it mattered that the referees were, were bad but you know what let me let you in on a little secret referees are going to be bad most nights most nights the referees are going to be bad as a team you have to have to build yourself enough of a buffer so that it doesn't matter. You gotta. Some nights this year, it'll happen. We won't notice it, but it'll happen. The referees will be bad in favor of the Lakers. That will happen. Some nights they're going to be bad in favor of the opponent. It was the latter against Denver for the first half. For the first half. But I always say, and I get frustrated with officials just like everybody else. It is an insanely difficult game to officiate. I try to remind myself of that. Because again, I do. I get very frustrated with the referees. But at the same time, this is a very, I would be awful as a ref. This is a very, very difficult thing to do to referee an NBA game. So yeah, the refs were bad. But the Lakers have got to find a way to battle through that. Jed, Torian Prince is a lock for star in your role. Yep, he did indeed win that award. Never understand the overreactions after the first game, but rotations are still inconsistent. Cam over Max was a surprise, but he played great. Tied for the highest plus minus. Yeah, I was I was critical of going with Cam Reddish over Max Christie. I don't think that's going to be the way they play it every game, but... Give credit where credit is due. I thought Cam Reddish did good things defensively. thought he showed hustle on the boards. Had a, had a couple of uh, nice offensive boards where he put it back up and in. And and I can't complain. I can't complain. Look, he's not he's not a great player, but he performed better than I, than I thought. And I think he fit the role with Vando out the Lakers were looking for defensively. I think Vando is taking those minutes when he's back. Hopefully that comes Sunday. We'll see. But give credit to Cam Reddish. I, I thought he... He was one guy who I saw, I thought outperformed expectations. Davion, the defense was horrible outside of Prince, 
Cam and AD. Rui, I don't know if you're sad about not starting, but do better. Wouldn't it be great if it was that simple? Just do better. Gabe, no comment. Also, our guards need to read the pick and roll better. We need Vando back. Well, part of that is the Nuggets' cohesiveness. Uh, Mo Dockiel, who does a great job bre breaking things down, um, put out there on X, he did a breakdown of the Nuggets ran the same play for a good chunk of the fourth quarter. And the Lakers couldn't stop it because they just kept running different variations of, of the same play. And a lot of it was putting the Lakers into multiple screens. And part of it is, look, the Lakers, they've got Torian Prince out there, but they have a group out there that should have some chemistry, should have some cohesiveness from last year. But the Nuggets, this team, this group has been together for even longer. And so you could see where if the Lakers were off even half a step, the Nuggets knew exactly how to exploit that every single time. It was all just muscle memory. They didn't even need to think on any of those. The Lakers, while the chemistry is going to be better than it has been in previous seasons because they do have a lot of guys coming back, they're still thinking out there on the floor. They're still thinking. Uh, Jared said the Lakers didn't play like a team that just lost in the finals and had to watch the team that beat them get their rings. They played like it's a regular season game with no meaning. Again, those goes back to number one. That was frustrating. It felt like the Lakers didn't play angry in this game. Uh, Donovan said master lock AD for his disappearing act in the second half. Hope we bounce back against the Suns. Love the show. Glad basketball is back. Well, thank you, Donovan. Appreciate that. But yeah, AD, I, look, all eyes are going to be on Anthony Davis against the Suns. How does he play? He should dominate Nurkic. I like Nurkic a lot, but let's face it, AD should have no problems there. Should. And then what happens come the second half? What happens if the Suns are doubling AD? What do the Lakers do? How do they counter? How does AD still be effective? We're going to be watching all those things. Moody also said AD zero points in the second half. That's unacceptable. Ace of hearts as a LeBron fan. It's genuinely irritating that in year 21 going on 39 years old, the team he's on is a minus 14 when he's off the floor and he leads the team in scoring. Thank you. Yes. Look, it has literally been since LeBron arrived in LA. This is the way it's been. LeBron plays. The Lakers do well. They build a lead. LeBron gets subbed out to rest. The lead goes away. LeBron gets subbed right back in. The lead builds up again. LeBron gets subbed out. It goes down again. On and on. Rinse and repeat. This year, the Lakers have a team that is deep enough to where that shouldn't happen. That should not happen. They've got a team that has the wing depth necessary to sustain themselves when LeBron James is off the floor. Did not happen against Denver. And again, a lot of that goes Rui, Gabe, Austin, D'Lo, all shot poorly overall. You put them all together, terrible shooting percentage. Those are the main guys that are going to need to do the scoring when LeBron's out. And of course, AD is, is part of this as well, and we know what happened there. But in terms of guys who we would expect to be able to pick up their own scoring when LeBron is, is out, none of them really did it at an efficient enough level against the Nuggets. I Again, on paper... This is it. This is the team that can withstand LeBron being off the floor. They just did not show it in game one. Face reality. If this is AD's team, Lakers are in trouble. Uh, this one says, also AD, man, why can't this guy play well consistently? No points in the second half. Why he gets brought in trades. People are tired of his ass. Well, again, AD will consistently be great on defense. We know that. That doesn't get as much credit, though, as being good on offense, right? You look at the highlights on ESPN, it's all offense. Unless there's some crazy block. It's mostly offense that you're going to see. And when we think of a superstar, we think of the guy that takes over on offense. It's the way it is. It's the way basketball is. Ask somebody to picture a superstar, and you're imagining a guy going one-on-one -on -one with the shot clock winding down and draining the shot. That's what we picture. It's not quite what AD is. It's not what makes him a superstar. But you're right. You're right. You can't have 17 points in the first half and none in the second half if you're AD. Jared said, hate to say it, but this Vanderbilt is giving me shades of Kendrick Nunn. Hope he's back soon. See, we all have this PTSD. 
from the Kendrick Nunn situation. From Kendrick Nunn, you know, kind of a random weird injury that lingers and wait, he's still out and okay, but he's day to day. And the next thing you know, season's over. He's done. He's not going to play at all. And so I know I've seen a lot of people reference this with Jared Vanderbilt. It's, I mean, at least now we know heel bursitis. That's something. I hope he's back sooner rather than later. But it is odd that this has lingered this long. October 7th, that was a, uh, that was weeks ago. And still no Jared Vanderbilt. Hopefully he's back soon. Hopefully he's back soon and we don't go down that path of the, the Kendrick Nunn situation. Chris said, typical AD and, Gar- and Darvin, defense was bad. Gabe Vincent, the next Nunn. Man, Kendrick Nunn, just anybody who's who's not playing up to up to par or, or has an injury issue, they get the Kendrick Nunn award, apparently. Um, I get the, the comparison here, though, because Kendrick Nunn was good in Miami, came to the Lakers, was not good. You know, actually, I, I spoke to a Heat fan today. I uh, had a conversation with a Heat fan and talked about a lot of stuff. But one thing he threw in unprompted was um, Gabe does this. Don't don't go out on, on Gabe. He does this. He has games like this where he just doesn't shoot that well, doesn't look that good, but he bounces back. He has better performances. Um, just this, this is kind of his MO. This is just what he does. So hopefully he's correct in that. Yeah, I'm not ready to write off Gabe Vincent, but I'll tell you this. Doesn't feel great when Gabe, I thought, didn't have a good performance. And then what happened up in Toronto? The Raptors beat the Wolves. The Wolves shot extremely poorly. But our guy, Dennis Schroeder, 22 points, 7 assists, 8 of 17 shooting, 4 of 8 from 3, Dennis. Really? 2 of 2 from the free throw line. Dennis Schroeder led the Raptors in scoring in their win over the Wolves. Gabe Vincent, one of the guys who did not play well against the Nuggets. I, again, though, one game. One game. Pump the brakes. But I get it. I get it. Why people are a little, eh, that's that's not ideal. Not ideal. Uh, Richley said, we simply don't have enough offense to beat the Nuggets. The playoffs showed showed that, and tonight showed that. Unless we make a trade for a top-tier scorer, we aren't beating the Nuggets in the playoffs. See, I think the Lakers, what they've done with this team, is rather than have, who's a top-tier scorer that they could go get right now? You're not getting Jason Tatum. You're not getting, you're not getting any of those guys. You're not getting Trey Young right now. Maybe in the future. But you're not getting a top-tier score. You're not getting Steph. You're not getting, and the Lakers don't have the assets to go get those guys. So who's who realistically could they, could they go get? DeMar DeRozan? Maybe. Maybe if the Bulls decide to pack it in midseason. Which, by the way, some stuff coming out of Chicago. Not good. Not good. We'll talk about that over on the front office show. Which, by the way, cheap plug, you guys should check out. If you haven't done so, check out the NBA front office show on YouTube. Uh, as well as the podcast feed. It's Keith Smith and myself covering the whole league. But um, in lieu of getting that alpha top score that you're talking about here, I think what the Lakers did is they got a bunch of guys who can score the basketball. Rui can, Gabe can, D'Lo can, Austin can. Are they, I'm going to take over the game night in, night out, because I'm dropping 25 every single night? No, that's not what they are. But I think most nights, at least one, if not more of them, is going to have it going. And we've seen that in preseason. We've seen that where multiple guys are hitting shots and it looks like the defense doesn't know what to do because more than one guy is going off and it's hard to figure out who to focus on. Torian Prince is obviously even capable of of stepping up and dropping 18. So that's what the Lakers did. I don't think scoring is ultimately going to be the problem for the Lakers. I think you had a bunch of guys shoot poorly that frankly you wouldn't expect them to every single night. So I don't think the scoring is necessarily going to be the big issue. I think the issue is you had some guys who just shot poorly in a game. Hopefully, 15 games in, we look at this game and we say, yep, that was the outlier. That was that was the off night. More often than not, they're hitting their shots. Beast mode, game was close. 
why Ham went with the first quarter lineup to close. Well, I, I figured that was probably going to be how they closed out the game. Um, I would assume that Darvin will get a little more nuanced with who his closers are and adjust on the fly as the season goes on. But it's game one. Pagong said, timely and because of this performance, should we seriously consider an AD for Embiid trade? Ham got outcoached tonight. I think the Nuggets just out-executed and certainly outshot the Lakers. It's hard to win against the Nuggets if they're going to shoot over as a team over 50% from, from the field and over 40% from three. That's exactly what they did. Very difficult to win that game. And then the Lakers did not shoot well. They didn't shoot terribly, but their main guys that you needed, you needed a Rui, Austin, D'Lo, 50% from the field and you know, 45% from three combined or something. You need one of those kind of nights. And you didn't get that. Um, but AD for Embiid. That's interesting. Let's say, and by the way, the, the 76ers sent James Harden away. They're going to be starting their season uh, tonight against the Bucks. 76ers said, oh, James Harden, you showed up. All right, cool. But um, we're going to Milwaukee and don't come with us. That situation is a mess. What if the James Harden thing continues to fester and Joel Embiid and things are not going well in Philly and Joel Embiid says, I want out. Would you do that? AD straight up for Embiid. Is Philly getting a better offer than that? Probably, probably not. Probably not. In terms of just a pure star, they may get a better offer than that if they say, we're not going to try to win necessarily right now. Let's rebuild this thing around Tyrese Maxey and let's get a bunch of picks and see what we can do from there. And if that's the if that's the direction they want to go, there's nothing you can do. But they wouldn't get a, a better 1A, and I guess you can question whether AD is a 1A guy, but you wouldn't get a better single player than AD. Philly wouldn't get that. They could get in aggregate a very valuable deal. Teams would throw tons of picks. Got it. OKC could just stack a bunch of picks and send them over. So they can offer a lot of value, but in terms of getting a star, AD would be the best that they would they could possibly get. I don't think the Lakers would do it. Honestly, I think the Lakers have committed to AD. They signed him to a contract extension. They, they believe in him. Um... I think he should win Defensive Player of the Year this year. I think that is a very realistic goal for him. And you can argue he should have won it last year. So I don't think they're going to trade him. But Joel Embiid did win the MVP. And if Philly called you up and said, hey, we'll do this straight up. And again, maybe Philly says, you know, we're going to rebuild this thing. Let's get a bunch of picks and things like that. And they're going to they're call up Sam Presti. Maybe they go that route. But if Philly called up and offered Embiid, would you really say no? The reigning MVP? It's interesting. It's interesting. Again, I don't think the Lakers are going to go that route. And I think that even jumping to that right now after one game, look, it was frustrating, but we're going a little overboard. But just as a hypothetical, if Philly called, them, called the Lakers in February and offered that, you you got to at least have the discussion, right? Got to at least have the discussion. Darth, game one, people. Let them get a rhythm. True. Bryant, more production from AD. Need Vando back. We are okay. Relax, please. Again, you win against the reigning defending NBA championships, but your champions. But you know what? The other thing is, typically what you see is ring night. The team getting their rings is not very focused. Because they're focused on getting their rings and celebrating and all that kind of stuff. Denver was super focused in this game. Looked just like they did in the playoffs. And that's credit to them. But yes, it is just one game. Just one game. Uh, D'Lo plays with third best player energy. He needs to play with role player energy. Lots of bad decisions tonight. Yeah, you know, it was funny. Keith Smith actually texted me uh, during the game and said... Uh, did did no one tell D'Angelo Russell the preseason's over? Because uh, he thought D'Lo was playing with with like at a preseason level. And my my thought was, D'Lo was great in preseason. Actually, can we get preseason D'Lo back? 
because that guy was fantastic. Um, he, he didn't play well in this one. And the Nuggets didn't have Bruce Brown to throw at him and to try to play him off the floor and all that stuff. But still, I was hoping for revenge game D'Lo. We didn't get that. I still think he's a very good player. I still think he's very talented. And, and to be out on him, it's too early. You can argue that he's not the best fit. You can argue skill set. But I don't think you can look at that game and say that's just what he is as a player. It's unfortunate that it happened again against Denver. It's concerning. But let's see what he does from here. Let's see what he does from here. Henry said, maybe AD needs Adderall. Dude flashes greatness, then loses interest, focused, and fades into darkness. Never seen a star of so many ups and downs. I don't know that he lost interest, but he was very focused on, okay, the double's coming. I'm going to move the ball. Not give me the ball. I don't care what they're throwing at me. I'm a superstar. I'm going to shoot this ball. You don't really see that from Anthony Davis. And again, I'm expecting against Nurkic, against the Suns, I'm expecting Anthony Davis to be much more aggressive. Now, that said, the Suns coach is our old friend, Frank Vogel. If anybody knows how to bother Anthony Davis, it's Frank Vogel. So I'm expecting to see multiple defensive schemes thrown at AD tonight. They're going to have to adjust. AD's going to have to figure that out. And we'll see if he can do it. Levinsky. Said, hand down, man down. Got to tighten up the defense. Can't wait till they miss shots. We must contend with smothering defense. Yeah, you know, the Lakers' defense, part of it was just the execution from the Nuggets was really, really good. And it felt like they could get the shots that they wanted to. Then not only could they get the shots they wanted to, they hit them. The Lakers, I thought, did a decent job getting shots that they wanted to, but missed them. Make or miss league, eh, to a degree. But... Yeah, the Lakers' defense does need to be better. And I guess the good thing is Denver was really good with their mid-range jumpers, with Murray, with KCP. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant will punish them from the mid-range tubes. So that's a good practice, right? Um, they're going to have to really contest because KD, you can have a hand right in his face. You can have a be as close as possible to the ball, and he can still hit the shot. You have to be sharp. Every single defensive possession with those guys and we do need to see more of that. Uh, this one says, I am uh, the most frustrating thing for me outside of AD was their role players. KCP, MPJ, Gordon killing us consistently for the last five games against them. Yeah, those guys all shot lights out. Felt like every game. MP MPJ did not shoot well this game, but the Nuggets had so many guys just step up. And then in the Western Conference Finals here as well, so many guys step up and hit big shots when they needed them. Not just Murray, not just Jokic. So many guys. Every, KCP, my goodness. Come back to LA already. He he hit big shot after big shot. Philly P. Basically, they came out cold from the start. AD was absent. No, they didn't. They came out. The Lakers came out hot to start. They were hitting. AD was absent the second half. Offensively, scoring-wise, he was absent. Just one game, though. I totally believe they will be fine. Surprise right about Reddish over Max, but he played well. I do think Max Christie is going to get his opportunities, but right now with Vanderbilt out, I get wanting a long, lanky defender, and frankly, Cam Reddish is more capable of doing that right now than Max Christie. I do think Max Christie is a good defender, but Cam is 6'8". Max is like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. There's a big difference there. And uh, yeah, Max will get his opportunities, but I, I thought Cam was good. Leo. So, Trev, what happened with Austin's defense? Like, honestly, I can't be the only one who's certain that in his year one, he was undeniably a net positive on defense. Also, just an idea, you should make a defensive player of the, of the year for the postgame. Um, like a defensive player of the game? I feel like that would just wind up going to AD most nights. Or do you mean at the end of the year? End of the year, again, it would, it would probably just wind up going to AD. Um Austin Reeves, yeah, his defense when he was a rookie was, I don't know if it was, if I'll say it was better than it was right now, but you could see it was more of a focus. Now you've got Austin who has more responsibilities on the offensive end. And so I think the, I'm not saying he's not playing hard on defense, but you can see that he's a little bit more conservative defensively than he was previously. And again, this is 
this is what happens when a player's offensive responsibilities increase and they're having to burn more energy on the offensive end. Now, back then, Austin was being asked to what? Space the floor? You're not giving him the ball and saying, go run, pick and roll. Now you are. Now you're saying, Austin, here's the ball, run our offense. That burns energy. And so um, you're not going to get as energetic of a defensive performance when you're leaning on him as much as they're going to on the offensive end. So I, I don't think his defense has regressed. I think it's just where he's spending his energy has changed. Chef Lev, I'm optimistic about the Lakers against every team but Denver. Lakers' approach to Denver is we hope they miss, needs to change. Um, the guards aren't trash just this game. Denver's length is impactful. I don't think the Lakers' guards are trash either. I thought the Lakers' guards played poorly. Of D'Lo, Austin, and Gabe Vincent, none of them had a good game based on their own individual standards. And I think all three of them would freely admit that. They didn't have good games. But I also agree. I don't think the Lakers guards are trash. I, I think that, and I think there will be a bounce back. Hopefully it comes against Phoenix. Hopefully it comes against Phoenix. And I'm glad you're keeping the optimism. All right, we've got a few more. Jerry said, you guys give too much credit to the Lakers. So one guy said, I'm staying optimistic. This one says, you're giving them too much credit. They've been underachieving for the last two years. What? Jerry, what's happening? Is this the same comment from last show? The same guy? LeBron is old. Trade everyone for picks like OKC. This is the same guy from, from last show. Jerry. No, man. They haven't underachieved for the last two years. They, they didn't have a team. They had Russell Westbrook and nothing else. A bunch of veteran minimum guys. They didn't have a team that was capable of winning. And then when they had good players, a team that was capable of winning, guess what they did? They won. They went all the way to the Western Conference Finals last year. Anyway, the realtor. Oh, Jerry. <laughs> said, how do you feel about this lineup against the Nuggets? When Vando comes back. Austin at point guard. Prince at shooting guard. Vando at small forward. LeBron at power forward. AD at center. Sure. And LeBron was mic'd up for the game. And he actually suggested that. Not Vando specifically, but he made it. And I think he was, part of it was he knew the mic was on, you know, but but he did say something to the effect of, like, y'all know I can play point guard, right? And he suggested, give me, you know, me, Austin, TP, meaning Torian Prince, um, going a little bit bigger. Now, of course, that means then that I tend to think of positions as who's the player defending. So if LeBron is the point guard on offense, he's not guarding Jamal Murray. No, that that then falls on Austin's shoulders or or Torian Prince's shoulders. But um, but LeBron made the point like, hey, we've got a lot we we haven't tried yet. Let's try some of this stuff. And the Lakers didn't do it. So I I do think in answering this question, I, I do think for some matchups and maybe Denver is one of them. You should try it. You should try doing this bigger lineup. You sacrifice some ball handling, but have some size out there. Be able to match the switchability on defense. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea, especially what really makes that, if we're talking about that lineup specific, specifically, Austin, Prince, Vando, Braun, AD, if AD's three-point shooting continues to be real, if that's a real thing, that mitigates Vando not shooting the three that well. And we'll see. Hopefully he shoots the three well this year. We'll see. But that's where that could work. If AD's three-point shot becomes real, that's where you can get rid of not all of the clunkiness, but some of the clunkiness on offense. And defensively, that should be pretty good. Avi B, we won't win a championship because of Ham, but in spite of Ham. Man, Avi B, I'm, I'm reading the beginning of the sentence and saying, I thought he was definitively saying we're not going to win a championship because of him. Then it then it completely flips, does a 180, said, no, we're going to win a championship in spite of him. Rui needs more, um, more playing time for size. If, big if, AD, LeBron uh, versus Jokic and Jamal is a wash, KCP, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon is too big for Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, and Torian Prince. This Lakers team is bigger than last year. 
but they still looked a bit undersized against Denver. Now against Phoenix tonight, we'll see if it continues to look that way. Remember, they're going to have Nurkic out there. They're going to have KD, but then they're going to have Booker. Koji's got some decent size on the wing, but you're going to have like Grayson Allen and like, they're not a supersized team. They're not a small team, but they're not a supersized team either. Um, Drew Eubanks is a, is a decent sized center that could give some problems to Christian Wood and, and Jackson Hayes. He's got a little bit of physicality there. By the way, the Suns losing a second round pick for tampering with Drew Eubanks. Good job, Phoenix. Um, I like him as a player. Why are you tampering to get Drew Eubanks? Anyway, um, the Suns aren't the same as, as Denver in terms of size. They're not a small team, but I don't think the Lakers need to go supersize against the Suns. Um, versatility, yeah, that's going to be necessary. Sam, AD needs to wake up, master lock for the second half. I agree. Talked about that quite a bit, though. Prototype uh, said, Trevor, screeners don't stay long enough to make contact for separation, and the ball runner doesn't force the trailing defender to fight through. Other teams get so many easy buckets buckets on this on us with that, we miss out. Yeah. Um, screen navigation has not been great for the Lakers. On the offensive end, the Lakers' own screen setting, they that left something to be desired. Um, and it's look, it's something the Lakers need to work on. There, there's no question. They've got to get better at that. It's a big part of how if we saw again going back to what Mo was demonstrating. You saw how many times KCP was getting open jumpers, Jamal Murray getting open jumpers because they're going around multiple screens. The Lakers are having to make decisions, and they're just a step off when they're when they are making those decisions. And then the Nuggets can make them pay for it because they're hitting everything, everything they're shooting. Every time they get a look, the the shot's going in. So the Lakers have got to get better at that. They got to get better at reading those screens. They got to get better at navigating those screens. Uh, Sheik said, I guarantee you the same people who are calling out AD in so many negative ways would not be saying that if the Lakers won this game. Chill, people. It's it's game one, and the refs won the Nuggets this game. So I'm not going to agree with the last part, that the refs won the Nuggets this game. I think there were some refereeing concerns, but they also, you know, the, the Nuggets won the game because they played better. It's simple. They made more shots. Um, yeah, look, if... Is, this is sports media in general right now and and kind of even media in general, like even if you want to get to politics and all that, which I do not like venturing into that territory, but sports media in general right now, it's, it's very much driven by hot takes and victory laps. That's what it is. We see a ton of it. I can't tell you guys how much I'm seeing of this stuff after game one across the NBA, across the NBA, not, this isn't just a Lakers thing across the NBA. How many people are taking victory laps on stuff happening? Right. Team wins one game. See, I told you, I told you that this guy is better than, than what I said. And nobody listened to me. I knew all along that for some reason, like that is the goal for some people. So I mean, that's that's the goal to be able to say, look, I told everybody months ago, I said this guy was going to be good. He just had a good game. See, I was right. Everyone heap praise upon me. Guy has a bad game next game. Crickets. Why? Why does that happen? I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. I think we're we are so overzealous about taking this victory lap about shouting from the mountaintops that I had it right all along and nobody believed me like that. That seems to be the end goal for some people to be able to have that post on social media, to be able to have that rant that I was right all along and see, this is the proof and everybody's foolish for not believing me. Reality is that guys are going to have good games and guys are going to have bad games. Over the course of a season, can you make a prediction and say, hey, hey, look, if you said, I think Puka Nakua is a much better football player than anybody is thinking and he should have been drafted way earlier. 
right now, now we're what halfway through the NFL season. Yeah, you could probably take a victory lap here and say, you know what, Puka Nakua, I I had him ranked higher than anybody else did, and I was right here. But basketball is different than football, right? We're we're one game in, and we're still getting the C. I told you so. I told you so's. So it's interesting because you get it in both ways too. You get, I can't tell you how many people see, I told you Austin Reeves is terrible. He's not any good. I've seen those comments or see D'Lo is awful. I've said it all along. What happens if D'Lo drops 30 next game? What happens if Austin is eight for 10 next game and four for five from three? Are we going to say anything? No, we're going to be quiet. We're going to wait until they have a bad game again. We're going to wait until the guy that we like has a good game. Then we're going to be shouting from the mountaintops again. It's just not honest analysis. Because one game doesn't determine what a player is. It's too small of a sample size. And maybe that's not as fun. It's not as exciting, right? As as single game, live in the moment, you know, ride that roller coaster. But you guys know. Uh, on this show, I tend to look big picture with things. And so from my perspective, that sort of stuff is uh, it's, it's a little off-putting. So yeah, with this comment saying, same people who are calling out AD wouldn't be saying it if the Lakers won. Yeah, because we ride that roller coaster. The Lakers, the Lakers win the game. People are going to be quiet about AD. The Lakers lose, though, and AD doesn't play well. Oh, they're, they're, people are going to come out of the woodworks to criticize. And look, I, what I tend to do is just call it like I see it. Did AD play well? No. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Did Cam Reddish play well? Yes. Yes. I, I had concerns about the Lakers putting him in. He played well. Let's talk about that. But it's a little different. When, hey, Cam Reddish played well. See, I told you, he's amazing. He's a great player. He's really good. Nobody listened. Cam Reddish is great. See, he was great. We make these statements that are absolutes, that exist into the future in perpetuity. Cam Reddish is great. See, everybody, look at me. That's what we get out there. And again, that's just not accurate, but it's the sports media landscape that we that we live in. And that's part of why I try to not do that with my analysis, to not make a definitive, absolute statement of, see, this guy was good this night, therefore he's just a good player, period. But instead to look at the bigger picture, because I think you get a better sense of uh, the true quality of a player and of a team when you get a longer sample size. So... That said, I still ride the emotional roller coaster like all of you. When the Lakers win, I'm happy. When they lose, I'm not happy. Um, and if they win in general, would that paper over some of the issues? Sometimes. Sometimes we can see that. But we also get people coming out of the woodworks. Anytime any player has a particularly good or particularly bad game to take their victory lap for a player that they've either always liked or always disliked. It's interesting. It's just a, it, it's a weird dynamic. It's always fasc, fascinated me. And it's something that's developed over years since I've been doing this for a long time. It's something that's become more and more prevalent in sports media where it's quickly react and proclaim that you knew all along. And if what you were hoping to see doesn't come to be, then just don't say anything. I'd rather say, hey, I preferred Max Christie going in instead of Cam Reddish. Darvin went Cam Reddish. Cam had a good game. He was he was right. Because I'd rather just talk about what, what happens than try to have an agenda on let's I want to pump up this player and talk down this player and everything this player does well, we're gonna do all this stuff for. No, I'd rather just talk about what actually happens out there. It's not the way sports media is all the time, though. So anyway. That's enough of a, of a rant about all that stuff. But you guys know what I'm talking about. That's the way um, sports media is right now. You see a lot of it. Some people are really good at it. It can be really entertaining with some of it. But 
Uh, but it's also led to this weird social media environment too, where after a game, anytime somebody has a good game, a bunch of people crawling out of the woodworks to say, I told you so, or a bad game to say, I told you so. A little strange. All right, everybody. I do appreciate all of you joining me for this show. The Lakers take on the Phoenix Suns tonight. We will be uh, we will be live over on Playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Game starts at 7 o'clock Pacific time. Come hang out with us and watch the game. And then after the game, we'll be on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, breaking everything down. Lakers Nation live with Trevor Lane. That's me. We'll start up right after Lakers versus Suns. And then after that, we'll have the Lakers Nation post-post game show with Sean Davis. So hopefully you come hang out with us for that as well. Till then, everybody, see ya and stay safe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.